Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the BRP's Q- Q3-FY 2021 earnings call. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Philip Deschain. Please go ahead, Mr. Deschain. Thank you, Maud. Good morning, and welcome to BRP's conference call for the third quarter of fiscal year 21. Joining me this morning are José Boisjoli, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Sebastian Martel, Chief Financial Officer. Before we move to the prepared remarks, I would like to remind everyone that certain forward-looking statements will be made during the call that are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties. I invite you to read BRP's MDNA for a listing of these. Also during the call, reference will be made to supporting slides, and you will find the presentation on our website at brp.com under the Investor Relations section. So with that, I'll turn the call over to Jose. Thank you, Philip. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. As you know, fiscal year 21 has been a very volatile year for us. Once the temporary shutdown were lifted, we're able to resume production at full capacity, have taken special measures to manage our supply chain, and have been especially vigilant about protecting our people. Given the increased popularity of our product, we feel fortunate to be where we are during this time of international instability. It has been an exceptional period, and it's not over yet. I would like to start by thanking the remarkable dedication of our people, dealers and suppliers who have risen to the occasion and allow us to continue to deliver incredible results while still answering the health and safety of our team everywhere around the world. As you are aware, interest in the power sports sector remains very high and our strong lineup continues to allow us to outpace the industry worldwide. Although we face some production challenges, we were able to manage them and we are delivering units in line with our plan. Let's turn to slide four for the financial highlight of this third quarter. Our revenue for the quarter were up 2% driven by year-round products partially offset by lower old sales of seasonal product due to a change in timing of personal watercraft production. Our gross profit margin came in much better than expected at 29.1% as the continued strong consumer demand allowed us to reduce our promotional activity and drove a richer product mix than planned. Our normalized EBITDA ended the quarter up 30% to $349 million resulting in a normalized earning per share of $2.13, up 41% over last year. We expect this positive trend to continue over the next quarter and beyond, and based on this, we are increasing our year-end guidance with revenue now expected to be down 1% to 5%, normalized EPS up 31 to 37% to a range of $5 to $5.25. As I mentioned earlier, the demand for our product remained exceptionally strong in the quarter, leading to our North American power sport retail being up 16% year-over-year. When excluding, excluding personal watercraft, for which network inventory was at an all-time low, 
at the quarter of, at the start of the quarter, our North American power sport retail was up 29% compared to an industry that was up mid-team percentage. The strength and diversity of our product portfolio also led to solid retail growth of 16% in Latin America and 22% in Asia Pacific. <coughs> Only EMEA experienced a retail decline in the quarter, with retail down 9% due to inventory shortage. Looking now at North American retail by product line on slide six. Again, this quarter, we have delivered solid growth across the PowerSport product portfolio. Side-by-side, side, an ETV boat outpaced their industry with very strong retail results, up about 30% and low 20% respectively. Three-wheel vehicle ended the season on a strong note, with retail up about 60%. I remind you that this is on top of a high of 80% growth in the same quarter last year. Snowmobile is off to a good start for the season with Skidoo retail already up low 20%. And personal watercraft was our only product that was down in Q3, as it was for the rest of the industry. As I already mentioned, this was due to the network inventory being at an all-time low, both in North America and in international markets at the beginning of the quarter. We are pleased with the strength of our lineup, which continue to gain share in this very healthy industry backdrop. Now on to slide seven and the current trend in our industry. Like others in the power sport business, we are seeing continued consumer interest and we have delivered another quarter of robust power sport retail growth. For Q3, our power sport retail is up 29% when excluding personal workraft following a strong retail pattern throughout the quarter. For example, the ORV industry had its best month in the quarter in October in terms of growth, and we saw this year the best start of the snowmobile season we have observed in five years. The solid growth is coming from both new entrant and returner customers who have decided to expand or extend their interest in Parsport. Based on a survey we conducted recently, we estimate that 34% of buyers were new entrants. We are feeling optimistic that this strong level of consumer interest is something that can be sustained. In part, this is due to the continued strong consideration for our product shown online, with, for example, Canam off-road vehicle website visit up 59% in October compared to last year and personal watercraft pre-season customer certificate were already up 12% at the end of October versus the entire full season, October to March last year. We also know our three-wheel vehicle rider education program, daily registration is trending at twice last year level since the beginning of November, so the interest does not appear to be slowing down. With our retail and production plan aligned to this current and projected growth, we believe we are well positioned to capitalize on the growing consumer interest in power sport. Turning to slide eight, I would like to talk about our recent product introduction. In 2020, our traditional launch model for new product evolved to be exclusively virtual. 
we held two global virtual events in the third quarter, one for Canam and one for CEDU. These were both very popular, had over 80% attendance by our dealers around the world, and allow us to reach a growing consumer audience at the same time. Future events will include many of these same elements to reach an even broader audience. Regarding our product introduction, in the side-by-side -side utility segment, we reinforce our premium offering by adding a very, our very popular cab with HVAC and the Lone Star package to our long box lineup with the introduction of the Defender Pro Limited and Defender Pro Lone Star considered to be the best in the industry. We also strengthen our mud lineup with the introduction of an improved Viscolock 4-lock at the ETV industry best four-wheel drive system, which provide equal power to all four wheels at the push of a bottom, providing an even more agile ride. As for CDU, our Model Year 21 lineup includes industry-leading acceleration and control with a completely redesigned RXPX300, which includes the performance-inspired Ergolock R system, which holds the rider in the perfect position. We also took the onboard experience to the next level with the launch of a 7.8-inch wide full-color LCD display, the industry-first app enable Bluetooth display, providing full control of music, navigation, weather, and more. These product introductions were very well received by dealer and the media, and booking was very solid. Now let's turn to slide nine for the year-round product highlight. Revenue were up 11% driven by lower sales program and a richer mix. Meanwhile, Volume of units sold was slightly lower than last year due to many of the units produced being in transit to replenish our international yard inventory, despite increasing our product number, uh, production numbers, as mentioned during our Q2 call. These units are expected to be sold over the coming quarters. On the retail side, four months into the season 21, the North American side-by-side -side industry is up low 20%. Canam side-by-side continue gaining share, especially in the utility segment, with retail up low 30%. The ATV industry is also four months into its season 21, and retail is up high 20%. Canam is also up high 20% over the same period. The demand for our off-road lineup is very strong, and we believe we could have sold additional units had we been able to supply more of them. We have broken ground on the construction of our new side-by-side -side manufacturing facility in Mexico, adding 50% of side-by-side -side production capacity. The project is progressing on plan and is expected to be ready for operation by fall 2021. Now looking at the three-wheel vehicle, the North American three-wheel industry ended the season 20 on October 30th with retail up low 10%. Our Canam three-wheel vehicle retail was up low 20% over the same period, gaining share in both the three-wheel vehicle and two-wheel motorcycle industries. This season was very successful for our three-wheel vehicle business. 
Once school were allowed to reopen, our rider education program continued to attract many potential customers, and we now have over 31,000 course completed with a better than anticipated conversion rate to new and used unit of over 45%. We also launched the Canam Women Mentorship Program. This program is designed to help overcome the barrier that have traditionally, traditionally held women back for experiencing the pleasure of riding through inclusivity and education. We already have over 6,000 active, highly engaged members, and the program has been given significant coverage from magazines such as Forbes and Rolling Stone. We are pleased with the traction we have with this program and the positive feedback we receive from participants as well as its potential going forward. And finally, Riker had another very good season. Over 50% of Riker customers are new entrants, compared to slightly more than 40% last year. We're also successful in attracting key buyer group, with over a third being women, almost three-quarters of riders under the age of 55, and almost half from diverse communities, compared to one-third last season. The Riker has definitely been successful at attracting a younger and more diverse customer base, growing our total addressable market. With these different initiatives, we are paving the way for new entrants to join our sport and to continue to grow the business. Turning to seasonal product on slide 11. Seasonal product revenue were down 8%, primarily due to a change in production schedule for personal watercraft versus last year. The lower shipment volume were partially offset by lower sales program. Now looking at retail, the North American personal watercraft industry ended season 20 on September 30th with retail up mid-single digit. Sidu retail was also up mid-single digit percentage for the season. With the success of the new GTI platform, Sidu took the number one position in the recreational segment and now lead every segment in the industry in North America. Sidu is also off to a good start in the season in counter seasonal market, which retail up high 20% in Australia, New Zealand, and up mid 30% in Latin America. Given the strong demand for these products, compounded by the production shutdown, we experienced in Q2 we ended the season with network inventory at an all-time low, down 95% from last year. With these low level of inventory and the strong trend in consumer certificate, we are expecting a strong performance for our personal watercraft business next year. Looking at snowmobile, while still early in the season, the North American industry retail is up mid-10%. Skidoo retail is up high 20% over the same period, despite a lower level of inventory available in the network. Given that demand for snowmobile does not appear to be diminishing, we have decided to extend our production schedule until mid-January for season 21. This is accounted for in our increased guidance. Continuing with a look at power sport, part accessories and apparel and OEM engines. 
The same phenomenon we have observed with vehicle likewise hold for, hold for parts, accessories, and apparel. Revenue were up 15%, driven by a higher volume of P&A coming from strong unit retail sales and higher replacement parts revenue as a result of increased usage of product by consumer. The focus we have placed on our link accessories lineup is paying off. Looking at marine, revenue were down 25% in the quarter, driven by the wind-down of the Evinrude outboard engine line. At the retail level, the positive momentum continued for Manitou and Tellwater, both delivering mid-30% retail growth. Alumacraft saw a slight decline in retail due to limited product availability. Since during this period, we have been consolidating our operation into St. Peter's, Minnesota facility and close the Arcadelfia plant. We are pleased with the performance of our boat brands and the progress we are making on our strategy to transform the marine industry. We look forward to sharing with you soon more detail on our latest initiative. With that, I will turn the call over to Sebastian. Thank you, Jose, and good morning, everyone. We achieved very strong results for our third quarter as we delivered on our production plan and benefited from the continued robust demand for products, which led to lower than expected <coughs> and a richer than anticipated product mix. Our re revenues reached a record level for a third quarter at $1.7 billion, up 2% over last year's third quarter. Our gross profit margin ended at 29.1%, representing a 220 basis point increase driven by favorable impacts from volume, mix, pricing and sales programs, and partly offset by unfavorable foreign exchange rate variations. Our normalized EBITDA was up 30% to $349 million, driven by improved adjusted gross profit margin and lower operating expenses. As a result, the cost-saving measures we have implemented earlier this year to mitigate the COVID impact. This resulted in a normalized DPS of $2.13, up 41% from last year. The strong performance also translated in a solid free cash flow generation of $228 million in the quarter, bolstering our financial flexibility as we ended the quarter with $1.3 billion of cash on the balance sheet. Look in more details at our revenue by product category and geography on slide 15. As Jose mentioned, our revenue growth in the quarter was primarily driven by year-round products and parts, accessories, and apparel and OEM engine product categories. In terms of regional breakdown, our revenues were up 6% in Canada, up 7% in the United States, and down 10% in international due to having very low level of yard inventory in many regions. This is why a good portion of our increase in production in the quarter was allocated to rebuilding international yard inventory. Turning to slide 16, our quarterly normalized net income was up of up $54 million from last year, driven by volume, mix, pricing and sales program for a favorable impact of $77 million and lower operating expenses for $18 million. These elements were partly offset by higher financing costs and normalized tax expense for $42 million. Turning to slide 17 for a look at our network inventory position. Both our North American network inventory and our yard inventory remained at low levels this quarter, with a year-over-year -year decline of 53 and 39% respectively, 
driven by the continued exceptional demand for our products. In terms of network inventory, all of our products are seeing declines versus last year, with the exception of three-wheel, which inventory is more flat compared to last year, as we already started shipping model year 21 units for the upcoming season. Again, we are taking the necessary actions to manage the growth in our business and meet the strong demand for our products. This is why we have decided to extend the snowmobile production schedule by a few weeks and have increased production line speed for ORV and personal watercraft. As we already saw over the last quarter, that as most of the OEMs were competing on a more equal footing in terms of network inventory, we were back to gaining market share, and we are confident that as we rebuild inventory and maintain our fast pace of product introductions, we will continue outpacing our industry. And now the guidance update on slide 18. Our third quarter results came in well ahead of our expectations, driven by the continued strong consumer demand for our products, which resulted in lower sales programs and a richer product mix, and consequently better than anticipated gross profit margins. Accounting for these strong Q3 results and the expectation that we will continue benefiting from lower levels of sales program and a richer mix in the fourth quarter, we are now expecting our year-end results to be significantly better than our initial guidance, which we introduced last August. In terms of revenue, other than the, other than the elements I just mentioned, our guidance is also impacted by the extension of the snowmobile production schedule and the continued strength in our P&A business. Based on these factors, our revenue guidance ranges are now down two to up 2% for year-round products, down two to 5% for seasonal products, up five to 7% for PA&A and OEM engines, and down 25 to 30% for marine, which, as you remember, <coughs> is impacted by the wind down of the outboard engine business. This results in total company revenue guidance of down one to 5%, reviewed upward from down five to 9%. Also, based on the same positive elements, our normalized EBITDA expectation has been significantly improved, and we now expect it to grow between 20 and 24% for the year, resulting in a normalized DPS that is expected to grow 31 to 37% to a range of 5 to 525. Our guidance range remains wider than usual for this time of the year as we still face uncertainties related to the coronavirus. While we have put in place strong measures to protect our employees, we are not immune to the potential risks that the virus could represent on the economy, our dealers, and our suppliers, which could lead to reduced demand, lower production, or increased costs, hence the wider range. As you can appreciate, the guidance does not reflect the impact of more comprehensive confinement measures that could be implemented with the second wave, similar, measures similar to what we saw last spring. Finally, given the strength of our balance sheet and our positive outlook for the business, the Board of Directors has approved the launch of the normal course of sewer bid and the reinstatement of our quarterly dividends starting in the fourth quarter. We believe these initiatives allow us to enhance the return we provide to our shareholders while preserving the necessary financial flexibility to operate the business in these uncertain times while continuing to invest in our long-term growth. With this, I will turn the call back to Jose. Thank you, Sebastian. <clears throat> As you recall, pre-COVID, our growth trajectory at the end of fiscal year 20 was very positive, with retail growth in all product line at 15% in an industry that was up mid-single digit. The surge in demand has offered a major opportunity for us to continue this space, and we are working hard to maintain it during this period. Although we recognize the pandemic is far from over, we remain positive. 
Consumer interest is still growing, and we are achieving a good balance between new and existing customers. Our lineups continue to gain attention and therefore gain market share globally due to our ability to introduce industry-shaping innovation. Our inventory is at an all-time low, and we have a strong replenishment cycle planned in the upcoming quarters. And with our additional capacity next year, we will be in a good position to support this increased growth. Given all this, we feel we are well positioned to deliver our new guidance for the year and are optimistic for fiscal year 22. I would like to end on a personal note. Without the incredible people we have in each of our offices and plants around the world, we would not have been able to continue to maintain the demanding schedule that the COVID situation combined with higher than ever consumer interest has required from us. So I wish to thank our employee for their resilience and their diligence to their careful and innovative management of our operation. A successful company is the result of many dedicated heads and ends, and we are fortunate to have the best in the industry. And on that note, I will turn the call over to the operator for question. Thank you. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while participants register for questions. We thank you for your patience. Our first question is from Robin Farley from UBS. Please go ahead. Great. Thank you. Um, just wanted to ask a little bit about um, retail. Uh, you know, our checks had shown that after you know, a very big month in July that August and September had had still very good growth rates, but you know, a little bit slower than July. So I'm curious about the acceleration in October after that in August and September. You know, is that just October having a lower base of comparison, or was it an increase in product availability? Just kind of trying to think about how October and then, you know, any um, insight you can give us into November. And, and then if I could even ask your thoughts about next year and whether the, um, you know, incredibly strong growth here, uh, obviously you'll have so much restocking that can drive your shipment growth, but is it reasonable to think that that maybe the, the growth rate just, you know, there was, some, so there was some pull forward and that maybe the next retail growth won't be till the year after next, just how to think about that longer term. Thank you. Good morning, Robin. That's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> let's just to, to, to go in sequence. The, the, the third quarter, the retail was very strong uh, every month, August, September, and October. September being the highest, I think, October is always a transition between summer product and, and winter, but overall, I mean, with 29% growth uh, in an industry that was mid-single digit, uh, we are very happy with our retail for Q3. November is off to a very good start, and uh, if, if I give you, because I know this is an interest for all uh, uh, investors, if I give you some numbers for the first 20 days of October, uh, our retail worldwide is up slightly below 30%. And that's despite last year we had a growth at, in November of 23% for the whole month. Then our growth worldwide is slightly below 30%, and that's despite EMEA, because of a lack of inventory, is up only low single digit. 
That means North America is slightly above 35%, then very, very uh, good retail in November. Now, looking to next year, and when you think about it, obviously we don't know uh, if there will be reconfinement or what will happen in wave two, but when you think about it, snowmobile season last year stopped in mid-March, uh, the riding stopped mid-March, and the dealer gave us their I.O. Uh, in mid-April in the middle of the confinement. Then they were somewhat conservative. Watercraft, we ran out of product uh, by the end of July uh, because we were shut down. The factory was shut down for two months. Three-wheel vehicle, uh, the school were shut down for three months. And the retail peak after, but we hope next year it will be better. ORV. We ran out of product. Our product was very low in inventory, and we have a new factory for side-by-side -side that is planned in the fall of 2021. And in Marine, our factory were closed for six weeks. And on top, Alumacraft, we had an additional month of closure because of the transfer from Alcadelfia to St. Pete. And I believe all of us learn, and when I say all of us, is our dealers, our suppliers, and, and us, we are better equipped to operate into, into this new context of COVID with all the, the norm for safety of our employee. And that's why we cannot plan for a, a complete shutdown next year, but we feel that if things continue like this, we're well positioned to end the quarter and for next year. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our following question is from Steve Harcher from RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Yes, great. Thank you, and good morning. Um, just a, a couple of quick questions. Just first, a sense on the cost structure looking forward. Um, you made some pretty heavy cuts in the spring uh, as COVID was settling in. I was wondering how many of those costs you've had to bring back in towards the, you know, out through Q3, I guess, or now, and how much of that can have permanent impact, you think, on gross margins and, and offerings? Yeah, good morning, Steve. Uh, obviously, uh, we did benefit in Q2 and in Q3 from the cost-saving measures that we put in place earlier this year. Um, with how the business is trending, uh, we've decided to invest uh, strategically in some of the initiatives, and so I'm not expecting that trend of cost-saving to continue in Q4. I'm expecting um, expenses to be up year over year. Um, and, and for next year, obviously, we'll continue that investment. As Jose alluded to, our, our expectations for next year are very good. Um, and obviously, this comes with, uh, with uh, well-positioned uh, investment. So we'll, we'll continue seeing that um, red increase. But one thing I want to remind is with the shutdown of Evinrude, that will bring overhead savings of about 70 to 80 million. Uh, on, a, on a permanent basis. So that's obviously going to benefit uh, our results. It's benefiting our results this year, but also for next year as well. Right. Understood. Um, out of all the cost measures, it was interesting to see that R&D, you know, wasn't cut. In fact, it looked like it was up about 10% year over year in Q3. I guess looking ahead with, the, with that investment, is that likely to stay at your normal kind of around 4% level, or might you invest more in this time to, to accelerate some market share opportunities? 
Yeah, well, you know, uh, innovation is key to our business. It's it's what's been driving our success in terms of uh, market share gains in the last uh, last several years. So that's the last thing we want to cut. And we've been pretty open with investors over the last few years that if a recession were to happen, the the, the last thing we want to do is to reduce too drastically our R&D investments. And so we've been able to protect that, and, and you see it in the investments we're making in the third quarter. And next year, our expectation is that we'll continue to run at the historical levels in terms of percentage of revenue. Okay, good color, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Our following question is from uh, Craig Kennison from Baird. Please go ahead. Good morning, thank you for taking my question. Uh, relates to your inventory in the channel. I think it's possible that the channel has never been more profitable due to the scarcity uh, issue. Um, just as you catch up to demand, can, can you preserve some of that scarcity to improve the profitability of dealers on a sustained basis? To me, it feels like that's been an advantage for BRP and that your dealers are particularly profitable. But I'm wondering if you can sustain it in a better way this time around. Morning, Craig. Then first for seasonal product for watercraft and, and the snowmobile, uh, and I would include three-wheel on this because we don't produce uh, on a 12-month basis yet. The, the, it will be difficult uh, because we're producing uh, almost eight months, seven, eight months per product line, and the retail season is quite short. Then it's, we're producing basically to orders that are given to us in advance. Then I think we'll probably go back to the pre-COVID situation in those product lines. Now, in the year-round product, like ATV and side-by-side, this is another story. Uh, you're totally right. Uh, the low inventory is benefiting uh, the dealer and us, and everyone is happy about that. We plan to reduce going forward by 25%, but it will depend how uh, the competition uh, will uh, also be aggressive because everyone is fighting for market share. Then I think short to midterm, uh, we will see the inventory lower than pre-COVID. Mid to long term, we could go back to pre-COVID situation when everyone is fighting for market share. Thank you. And with respect to your new capacity in Mexico, that production comes online in the fall of next year. When would those units actually show up in dealerships in a meaningful way? In the following week. <laughs> when the production will be running, we will be delivering right away. So by the end of Q4 next year, you'll yeah. see the impact on our inventory. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. A following question is from Martin Landry from Stifal GMP. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, and uh, congratulations on these uh, impressive results. Um, you you seem to have gained uh, market share at retail um, in a significant way in side-by-side -side, uh, during the quarter. Um, I'm just trying to better understand what was the driver. Was it, um, you know, scarcity of products uh, from with your, your competitors, or is it really a, a like strong demand of your own products? But I think, Martin, we were already gaining share pre-COVID. Uh, we had a very, very good momentum with our lineups pre-COVID. And from what we see, uh, we are able to deliver uh, or to 
to run our facility uh, at capacity probably better than some of our competitors. Right now, we're delivering unplanned. I have to admit, managing the supply chain those days is a bit bumpy. There is some difficulty, but our team is very good to manage and very agile to manage those situations. But I think in Q3, it was our ability to ramp up production and run the facility at full capacity with minimal uh, interruption. Okay. And um, t turning to, uh, to Watercraft, um, you know, your inventories are, are at a uh, historical low. Um, can, can you give us more color as, as what you're going to do from a production standpoint to, um, to catch up to demand? Uh, are you, um, you know, starting production earlier? Uh, and and to, by what quantum are you increasing production this year versus last year for, for Watercraft? Well, just to give you a sense, Martin, uh, we shut down the factory uh, in uh, April, May this year in the peak of the production because we were filling up the pipeline for the retail season that is June till the end of uh, September. Then we shut down the factory in the peak. After when we restarted the factory, we, we restarted the factory producing some model year 21 uh, in advance to make sure that we would not create non-current, but those disappear very quickly. And if you look at our level of inventory, it's less than one unit per dealer. Then the dealer are empty. The network is empty. And we have a very solid booking for next year. And we restarted production after the shutdown, uh, let's say in July, and we're running since that time at full capacity. Then we believe that for watercraft, um, we will be in good shape for next year production, next year retail, sorry. Okay. Okay, is there any sense of, um, you know, how much more capacity you're adding uh, versus last year? Yeah, well, just in terms of, uh, just to give you a, help you out here, in terms of the inventory situation, usually we finish a season with, in good years, probably 10% of next year retail, 15%. Uh, and so just that replenishment of inventory would call for a 10 to 15% increase in production just to meet that, uh, that demand. Okay. okay, plus, plus the, uh, the extra demand yeah. we're seeing right now. So, plus okay. the extra demand which we're seeing, but again, we have flexibility to, do, to adjust our production schedule. Today it's too early to call, but um, just on the inventory side, it's a 10 to 15%. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Our following question is from Mark Petrie from CIBC. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning. Uh, could you just uh, provide a bit more color and maybe a bridge on the factors pushing gross margin higher in the quarter? I know you called out uh, most of the benefit being from pr full price uh, realization and lesser promotional activity, but just uh, could you could you quantify that and any other factors? I guess including. Uh, mix and specifically the removal of the upward uh, business? Yeah, obviously this quarter uh, we saw a big benefit coming from the programs and, and there's a timing effect on programs when these programs are provided for for accounting rules. Some of these programs were provided for when we shipped the units, so back in Q1 and Q2. And obviously with the low level of inventory uh, and the strong demand, these programs were not needed, so these provisions were released. 
I prefer looking at a full year basis, so the first nine months of the year, so we'll provide you with better comparability as to how the gross margin is performing. So from a, a full um, nine months, uh, volume and mix and pricing is favorable, 90 basis points. Sales programs for a full nine months is favorable, about 200 basis points. Uh, production with the absorption of, in, of, um, of added overhead costs because we had to shut down operations for two months is negative 130. The impact of the exit of outboard engine uh, is um, negative 140 basis points on the gross margin. <coughs> and then we have what we call uh, COVID costs, uh, restructuring. Uh, we had to pay employees as well. Um, so for about uh, 80 basis points as well. So um, a good overall impact coming from programs, as you see, for 200 basis points. And as Jose indicated, uh, we'd like for that to continue on next year. We believe that early part of next year we'll be able to benefit from that uh, lower reduction of uh, promotional activity. Okay, okay, that's helpful, thank you. Um, my other question was just with regards to how the replenishment cycle in um, in fiscal 22, how that's going to change the seasonality of your revenue and margins. And I guess you sort of alluded to it um, that 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 is going to be helpful in the first half of next year, along with um, lower sort of promotional um, programs. But how how should we think about that as we think about the the typical kind of seasonality of revenue and margins um, yeah. for fiscal 22? One, something which I've already talked about uh, in the Q2 results was the fact that we are pushing production more towards next year. Personal watercraft, there's going to be a greater percentage of the current model year uh, units that are going to be shipped in Q1. Same thing for three wheels. So that should bring higher profitability in the early part of next year compared to what we had um, in, in our, our historical numbers. Uh, obviously, in the second half of the year, we're going to be opening up the new plant, so there's going to be a bit more higher cost, but we believe that uh, with the added volume, we'll be uh, able to offset these costs quite uh, quite rapidly. Okay, thanks. And, and uh, Jose, you talked about the supply chain, you know, performing um, pretty well um, in recent months uh, and maybe leading to some of your outperformance uh, on a retail level. Um, so is that to say that you really haven't had any material issues with regards to the supply chain? I mean, I know you guys are cautious on that um, just in general, but have you had any issues to this point or in, in Q3? I mean, we had situations where <clears throat> we had to air freight parts or reschedule to accommodate a supplier who had difficulty, but this is our daily life. We do that all the time, and overall, the team have done a very good job to manage it, and that's what we foresee will continue but it's manageable overall. Great, and sorry, just one last one of clarification. Um, I think you said uh, new entrants uh, were 34% of buyers in Q3. That's, those are, that's new to the industry or new to BRP? Yeah, and this I will give you more colors because I know it's a, a high interest for uh, many investor and analysts. Then here, I, I give you some colors. The uh, <clears throat> first, we don't have any number to compare to last year Q3 because we didn't do any survey uh, last year, but I, I, we've done a survey uh, this Q3, and here, here are the colors. We surveyed 2,400 participants in nine countries, people who purchased vehicle in July, August, September, and we surveyed them the first 20 days of October, then quite 
uh, new. And historically, we, we have about 20% new entrant in our industry. And this time, uh, with this survey, it was 34%. Now, we're getting smarter and we dig with more question. Out of the 34, 20% were new to power sport, then totally new to the industry. And 14 was new to category. That means someone who had a watercraft and now decided to buy an ATV. That 34% new entrant, but 66% of experienced customers. What is even more positive for us, out of those 2,400 participants in the survey, 72 per, uh, 72% were new to BRP, and 28% was BRP repurchase. Then we feel quite confident, and that's a testimony of our our ability to gain market share. We feel pretty encouraged with those numbers because we put a lot of emphasis on new entrant, and many are wondering, is the new entrant will continue post-COVID? First, we have an indication that they will remain, but the growth we had was also a lot because of a very loyal, uh, experienced customers and new to the brand. Okay, that's great. Appreciate all the comments. All the best, guys. Thank Thanks. You. Thank you. A following question is from Jamie Katz from the Morning Star. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my questions. So I'm curious about um, Europe and what you guys are seeing from customer behavior there. Obviously, uh, there was some constraint on the inventory levels, which uh, acted as a drag on throughput. But are you seeing the same sort of demand as you are seeing in North America, given that the economic environment is a little bit different there? Thanks. Well, um if you recall our Q2 numbers, we had very strong demand in uh, in Europe. Uh, it was softer in Q1 because they were more confined. Q2 uh, confinement measures were uh, were uh, lessened in Europe, and we saw demand pick up, which obviously resulted in us being lean in yard inventory at the end of Q2. Uh, demand continues to be strong. Snowmobile season is off to a good start in Scandinavia. Um, and uh, and the outlook for uh, for the rest of the business for Q4 is is strong as well. So um, we're not seeing any material differences between Europe and and uh, North American consumers. The other thing I would add, and then, to Sebastian, ahead, the other thing I would add to Sebastian Collins, snowmobile is a it's an activity that is really off road in very remote area, and we don't feel this will be uh, it's perfect for distanciation. Uh, and, and we don't feel any slowdown there. Excellent. And then can you um, talk a little bit about uh, how you are perceiving the new round of lockdowns in um, maybe Toronto and whether or not there are, are enough efforts to mitigate the, the impact um, so, such that it's not the same sort of magnitude as it was the last go-around? Thanks. But even in the first uh, lockdown, um, many dealers were able to operate a different way, and that's why I was saying in my remark uh, that we've learned a lot in the first lockdown, and many dealers were able to retail despite all this being creative and doing more virtual. Uh, and what's happening in Toronto, uh, for example, uh, right now it's not affecting our business. Uh, uh, business like us, our dealership, are still uh, running. Uh, they have measure, obviously, that they need to respect, but no dealership have been stopped 
lately. Um, I don't think even in Europe. Uh, oh, and we're seeing, yeah, and as you can appreciate, in the spring it was a, well, what, almost an economic lockdown where, manuf- where plants were being closed and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and stores. Now we're seeing leisure being closed more, so movie theaters, restaurants, uh, but not as uh, comprehensive as we saw in the spring. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Our following question is from Derek Dealey from Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi, thanks. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to, well, given that you commented there's already a, a couple loaded questions that were asked, I'll, I'll follow with one. Um, just given the, the demand increase that you've seen here, has, is there any changes to your five-year plan that you laid out about a year ago? I mean, could we get to that 750 in EPS a year early? Uh, let's say that uh, it's too early direct to uh, to uh, restate the M25. Uh, when the situation will be a bit more stable, uh, we will definitely uh, restate it and, uh, and present it to, to all of you. Listen, your question is uh, the growth that we're having right now. In the M25, there was not that surge of new customers. There was not that uh, cycle or that inventory that have been that is at a record low right now for all OEM. Then we believe there is opportunity, but it's too early to tell you about the seven dollar EPS uh, sooner uh, than M25. Okay, no, I appreciate that. And then just in terms of of what you're seeing in terms of you know promotional environment, like is. Is there any discounting at all happening right now, or is it really just a case of as product hits the floor, it's it's kind of out the door? Well, there's no, uh, there's a, I mean, there's a bit of promotion. Uh, obviously, we had some promotions for our spring units, which we announced back in in the spring, so these are still in effect. Um, and we always provide uh, support to dealers for financing, etc. But obviously, as the units fly out the door. The amounts that we spend on either wholesale uh, incentives or retail incentives is, is significantly lower than uh, historical. So there's sometimes a, a bit, but again, it's as you saw, the impact for the first year is 200 basis points. So it's a material uh, decrease versus prior years. Yeah, okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. The following question is from Jerick Johnson from BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. All right. Good afternoon. Uh, good morning. Thank you. Um, your operating expense down about 20%, and we've discussed some of the puts and takes there, but one big expense we haven't talked about was the annual club event, which did not occur uh, from a physical standpoint. How much did that contribute to the quarter in terms of savings year over year? Well, it's it's a, again, it's a material expense, but it's 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 not it's not 20 million, it's not 10 million bucks. So it's it's obviously it had an impact, um, but a club is is less than 10 million. So you can you can do the math. Um, and do I expect uh, expenses to remain um, to remain low? Well, as I said, I expect Q4 to come back to where we were last year. And next year, obviously, we will not uh, – club events will probably be not to the same level they were historically, but um, obviously we want to continue fueling the pipeline. We want to continue creating interest by dealers and consumers for our product, and so some of that money will be re- redirected to other marketing initiatives. 
Okay, well, I hope you keep the analyst and investor right events intact. Um, moving on to other, another question. Uh, th these are two questions in one, more art than science here. Um, there have been two very big macro events. One is the U.S. election, and the other is uh, the announcement of, of, of three vaccines that look highly effective. So we've got a light at the end of the tunnel there. Number one on the election, um, I mean, I'll call it spade a spade here. Overwhelmingly, Trump supporters here in the U.S. on the uh, dealer side, how are they looking? Uh, how are they What's their outlook? How has that changed, perhaps, if not at all? Um, but if, if there is any change there. And, and number two, um, being that there are uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel here, how is that impacting your outlook for next year and beyond? On the U.S. election, Garek, uh, I mean, we've been in this business for a long time, and we've been able to work with uh, both parties, and we don't see for us uh, any impact. I mean, there will be some adjustment, but we are able to uh, to deal uh, with 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 uh, any U.S. administration, and we don't think there is much impact there. On the vaccine, obviously, um, very happy that it's happening. But before the vaccine will be distributed uh, massively around the world, uh, it will take some time. The other thing is, if you look at the leisure industry, that is uh, airline, hotel, uh, gambling, uh, and you know more that than I do, all those industry uh, specialists like you are saying that it will take three years uh, and more to recover. Then we believe that uh, maybe the, the, the surge that we had uh, this summer will be uh, a bit reduced, but we have a pretty good runway in front of us. And again, that's why in my remark this morning, I mentioned the momentum we had pre-COVID. And for us, we see this as an opportunity, not as a threat. It's our job to make those new entrant lifetime uh, customers and uh, to continue the, the momentum that we had. Then there will be uh, maybe uh, the, the, the growth might reduce a bit uh, for, because of the surge of new customers. But at the end, like I explained, uh, the mass of our customer are existing customers. Yeah, okay. And on those new customers you talked about, um, I, I think one thing a lot of people got wrong initially was just thinking that these new customers are, are kind of like your traditional new customers that you usually get every year. But I think they're much different this time, probably more professionals who are working from home and have some money and, you know, higher income kind of earners but perhaps maybe less loyal to the lifestyle, the experience of the brand. So how do you think about those new customers and are you sort of modeling maybe less retention of those new customers or, or perhaps more? But just to give you a sense, uh, we, we've been able to attract new customer to a Spark. We introduced Spark in 2014 and CDU pre-COVID, the CDU Spark was uh, over 50% of the sales was to new customers. And the Riker last year, pre-COVID, was 40%, and this year it's 50%. Then we used to deal with new customers with those product line, and we've learned how to make them lifetime customer. It won't be perfect, but again, instead to see this new customer surge as a threat, we see that as an opportunity, and we believe we are well-tooled uh, to, uh, to uh, continue the growth with them. Okay, the, the, the Spark is a fantastic example. Thank you very much, Jose. Thank you. 
Thank you. The following question is from Cameron Dirksen from National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks. Uh, good, good morning. Um, maybe just a couple of uh, you know, cash flow balance sheet questions from me. Uh, first, just on the the, the working capital, um, you've had a pretty positive trend so far uh, in fiscal 2021. I'm just wondering what it looks like for Q4. I mean, is do we expect there to be a big draw on working capital? I'm just wondering what the what how, how the year might end as far as that use of cash. Yeah, we are expecting to rebuild the inventory in Q4 in the yard, so there's uh, probably going to be use of cash related to uh, to working cap. Um, obviously, there's yard inventory. We were able to rebuild at the end of uh, we were able to rebuild at the end of Q3 the yard inventory in international, but it's still low compared to where it was a year ago. So there's no more more work to be done there, and even in North America, we uh, we we could work with higher levels of inventory. So, all in all, uh, still good cash flow generation for the full year. Uh, capex is also going to be high in the fourth quarter, uh, so we should consume cash in the fourth quarter. Okay, and just on on the, the payables, I mean, it, it was up quite a bit in. Q3 sequentially, are we kind of back to a more normal level? Because I think it's been sort of artificially depressed the first couple quarters of the year. Yes, we are back to normal levels. We tend to trend at probably 90 days of working of, uh, of AP, and that's where we are at the end of uh, Q3. Okay, great. And, and just on the, uh, I guess, the cash position, I mean, you've got a, it, it remains you know, very high, which is a good position to be in, I guess. But um, I'm just wondering if you can update us on your ability to, I guess, pay pay down debt early. I mean, I, I think there ha there are some limitations on what you can do. Maybe just update us on what the latest is there as far as, uh, you know, it's probably not the best scenario to be sitting on $1.3 billion in cash. Yeah, um, obviously, we what we... It's not the best scenario, but it's a very good position to be in, especially with the uncertainty that is still there. As Jose said, the vaccine is uh, is on its way, but it'll take some time before uh, everyone is immune. Uh, so we prefer being in this situation than uh, being short on cash. Uh, as you saw, we've decided to reinstate our NCIB and uh, uh, the dividend as well. So that obviously there's going to be some cash that's going to be deployed towards um, those uh, at those efforts. In terms of debt reimbursement, short term, it is not on the agenda. We, uh, as you all know, we raised an extra $600 million of debt back in May. There is a 2% penalty for early repayment that uh, comes to expiration, expiration in, in May. So until May, our intention is not to, uh, to look at debt, potential debt reimbursement. Okay, that, that's helpful. Thanks very much. Thank you. The following question is from Benoit Poirier from Desjardins Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Yeah, good morning, uh, Jose. Good morning, uh, Sébastien. Uh, congrats for, for the results. Uh, just just to come back on uh, Garrick's uh, question, could you talk about the, the new entrants, uh, whether they are brand agnostic, and maybe the potential to sell them more products when you compare with your current customers? Yeah, good morning, Benoit. For sure, uh, right now the focus of the marketing team is when a new entrant is coming in, we try to expose them to other product lines. And that's why uh, we advanced the launch of the Uncharter Society, where you can rent a snowmobile, a watercraft, or uh, an off-road vehicle, 
in, in other uh, areas just to expose them to the pleasure of writing a, a different experience. Then this, again, to follow on what I was saying to Gedek a few minutes ago, for, for many investors, they are afraid that those new customers run away, and we see that as an opportunity. They came to our industry, and now it's our job to attract and maintain them and expose them to other product lines. Then again, we see that as an opportunity. We like to be positive about going forward and uh, working hard with the marketing team and the sales team to expose them to other product lines. Okay. And Seb, Sebastian, when you talk about the better mix impact on margins, what was it driving? Was it driven by a lack of low entry products or driven by customer preference toward higher hand products? Well, obviously, uh, given the scarcity of the inventory and the, and the high demand for products, we uh, selectively uh, produce units that uh, we believe will bring the maximum profit to us and to the dealers. So our mix is more richer because uh, we've made that decision to produce higher mix, uh, higher, a richer mix of products uh, driven by, obviously, uh, the demand from the consumers. Okay. And given the greater visibility through the pandemic, so how does it impact BRP? Could you accelerate some product introduction when we think about Project M, Project Ghost, or maybe electric vehicles? Is it something that could maybe accelerate furthermore? We, uh, as I shared with you, we did put a pause on certain projects when the COVID uh, happened. Um, obviously, uh, as we had greater visibility on the year and on next year, uh, we turned the switch back on for these programs. Uh, and uh, and we'll continue uh, we'll continue introducing the products and the, the innovations that we do on a yearly basis, but for now no no significant change in plans. We believe Benoit we are we, we believe Benoit we have plenty coming that uh, to remain very competitive. Okay, perfect. And last one for me when we look at capital deployment. Uh, two times seems to be the optimal level in terms of leverage. How should we be thinking right now, given the uh, bigger growth opportunities, the pandemic? Do you feel comfortable maybe to, to increase or maybe lower, given the, uh, the visibility we currently have? So what about the optimal level? In terms of, uh, are you talking about CapEx? Uh... Uh, in, in terms of uh, net debt, EBITDA, in terms of uh, leverage ratio, Sebastian. Okay, well, uh... We, uh, we, when we IPO'd, we were at three times uh, leverage. We finished the quarter, uh, again, below two times, significantly below two times. Uh, and we're comfortable, as we've said in the past, operating at two times leverage. So it will be part of discussions we're having with the board. But as I said, today we prefer sitting on a bit more cash um, and, and see how things are going to turn out. Uh, we are lucky we're in a good position. Uh, having that cash flexibility is a huge plus in these uh, in these uncertain times. Okay, thank you very much for the time. Thank you. Our next question is from Greg Badishkanian from Wolf Research. Please go ahead. Hey guys, it's actually Fred Whiteman on for Greg. Just quickly on snowmobiles, uh, retail was up low twenties in the quarter. I think on last quarter's call, you had talked about the early retail signs were up seventy percent plus. So, can you just talk about what changed and how that fits into your decision to extend the snowmobile production period? Uh, good morning. What happened uh, again? 
you need to be careful at the beginning of uh, uh, season because numbers sometimes are small and, and increase uh, numbers or ratio can be very high. But right now we are extremely happy with the snowmobile momentum. And you just need to remind that this year, at this time of the year, we, we had shipped more units last year than this year. And we're hearing dealers right now, when they receive a unit, the PDI, and deliver it to the customer, then it's in and out. Then we expect the momentum will continue at a good pace until Christmas. And we're hearing that some dealer will be out of product by Christmas. Then uh, we feel very comfortable uh, with the snowmobile business. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. We have no further questions, but just at this time, I would now like to turn the meeting back over to Mr. Deshane. Great. Thanks, uh, Maud, and thanks, everyone, for joining us this morning and for your interest in BRP. We want to take the opportunity to wish you all a happy and safe holiday season, and we look forward to speaking with you again for a fourth quarter earnings call in March. Thanks again, everyone, and have a good day. Thank you. The conference has now ended. Please disconnect your lines at this time, and we thank you for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.